To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you. Mama G kiss. My life is not my own. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you. My life is not my own. Do you I belong? I give myself. I give myself to you. My life is not my own. To you I belong. Put the mic to your mouth. I give myself. I give myself to you. Thank you, God. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you. Just to be close. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you is my desire. Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, everybody. Praise the Lord. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Praise the Lord. Do we need to get our keys? Yeah. Do we need our keys? Praise the Lord. So, is that to help you die? We 
probably need to change this one too. Can you feel like doing Lord Your Mighty? Can we do Lord Your Mighty? Lord Your Mighty. Starting off. Miss Labor, the first song is going to change the Lord Your Mighty. Somebody's locked out. He went back there by himself. Okay, so Lord your mighty and to sing. have to worry about all the harmonies and stuff. Then too. My life belongs to you. So you take it out with my whole heart? No, no, no. That's still in it. So it'll go. It should go. Lord, your mighty with my whole heart. My life belongs to you to sing. Got it. Okay. So Lord, your mighty with my whole heart. My life belongs to you. And then with my whole heart. Miss Libby, do you hear this? Sing, 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 okay. sing, sing. Okay. So sing it. So sing us a new song after "My Life Belongs to You." All right. Awesome. We need you every day. We call upon you. We ask you to let your divine will be done here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Before I, I get started, I call my, uh, my dear brother Ezekiel up here. Share a testimony with us. Thank God. How good he is over our lives. He's getting your microphone. People online will be able to hear you better. We can hear you in here, but that's for the podcast there. I have a friend. You hear me? Yes. I have a friend who's a a minister, and and he took his six-year-old son to church. And he said... To a six-year-old son, he said, God is good. 
isn't he, son? And the little boy say, no, say, God is good and better. Good and better. God is amazing. Just having life, I thank God for life. It's amazing. Man. God is beyond our full comprehension. I find that God is God all by himself without any help from anybody. All right. All right. And I'm just so thankful. I I done had uh, a major heart attack, prostate cancer, two blockages in my intestines. And yet, because of God, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to, because there's so much joy. Come on. In serving God and doing the best we can because we live on God's grace and mercy. Come on now. Even the breath that we breathe belongs to God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. And we all are God's children. Those of us who don't even know, but those of us who, who know have joy mm-hmm. down in my soul. Now, this joy, Thank you, Lord. man didn't give it to me. I didn't go to college for it. Mm. No, this got, uh, and it ain't got no, it ain't got nothing to do with how good you talk or how much education you got. Come on now. I know I'm connected. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's a good thing to know. Amen. Come on. Amen. I lost, two of my kids was murdered. My youngest son, Gabriel. Then my daughter went in for a routine operation, and she died. But through it all, I'm tell- I know it's I know it's strange, but through it all, through it all, sometimes he just stirs my soul. I don't live by blind faith. Come on. I live by following the Spirit of God the best I can, and He showed to protect me. And you too. I just love it. And I, I, and I come from Langley just to hear word. Mm-hmm. And just to worship with you. Amen. Amen. It's good to be around family. Come on. Especially if you've been born again. Say that. Oh, it's good to be around family. Amen. I better quit. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we just, we just, 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 come on, come on, come on, amen, 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 ain't God good, I mean, just to, be able to say that God is a keeper. Amen. Any one of those things that Ezekiel was just talking about, the cancer and all those things, any one of those could take you out. But God's a keeper. Amen. He's a keeper. If You know, we just trust him, you know, and, and know that, you know, no matter what our situation is, he's got the final say so. Amen. I just thank God for that.
Lord, as we prepare our hearts to go into the word, man, we're still dealing with being who God wants us to be. Being the light, being the salt, you know, being the change, amen, and being changed. Because I don't know about y'all, but, you know, well, I do know about y'all. I mean, if we yield to God, we're constantly being changed, each and every one of us, amen. Because let's, let's, let's be real, ain't, ain't none of us arrived yet. And we we still on the, on the road. We still drawing close to God. We still growing in a, in our life, our 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 commitment to Him, Amen. And you know, I, I love how God just continues to reveal things to you. You know that you need to work on this a little bit. But if He'd have dropped it all on you at once, where would we be, man? But He's easy. He's a good Father, Amen. He knows how to lead and teach and instruct His children. Amen. At this morning, we're going to talk about a topic that I don't, you know, we don't talk about too often, but we need to talk about it more, and that is kingdom, kingdom stewardship. You know, kingdom stewards. Amen. Because why? We are, we are, God has saved us, and he's called us into his kingdom, and, and he's released everything into what? Our hands. Amen. As his representatives, as his stewards. Amen. And, and the, the question is, how are we going to handle it? Amen. You know, I, I often think about, you know, one of the, I think I touched on it the other day, but one of these things I, I often think about is how you don't have to teach a child how to say everything is his. Right? I mean, just, just they get to be about a year, year and a half, two years old, and all of a sudden what? Mine. Everything is mine. Mine. And they, and they, and see, Let's be real. Sometimes we we don't shake that spirit. You know, you they go to a birthday party. It ain't even theirs, but they want to blow out the candles and they 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 want to be the ones to tear up the cake and they want to open the presents and it ain't even their party. Right? Any of y'all ever remember doing that yourself? <laughs> See, I, I can't remember back that far, so I don't know if I did that or not. You know, but just knowing my character, I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> she said, "Yeah, you know." But just thinking about that, you know, that 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 mindset—it's not something that has to be taught, right? It's it's inherent in us, Amen. And, and see, when we come into the kingdom of God, we we need to get some clarity about the things of God, about all these. So we're gonna take a little time this morning just to. Just to dig into that, because we, you know, we need to explore our position as God's stewards, amen, in this, particularly in the area of stewardship, understanding that all things belong to him, amen. So I just want to read this statement that I I, I came across, amen, it says, stewardship expresses our obedience to regarding the, yeah, our obedience to regarding the administration of everything God has put under our control. Now notice, he puts things under our control. But that don't mean they're ours. Okay? Things he put under our control, which is all-encompassing. Stewardship is the commitment of oneself and possessions to God's service, recognizing that we do not have the right or control over our property or ourselves. I'm say you was doing fine when you got the property. But when you say ourselves, some people will definitely take exception to that. 
But we need to understand that the, he said the earth is what? The Lord's. You know, he said it's mine and the fullness thereof. And, and all they that dwell therein, he was about to say the cattle are mine. And the, he, I mean, he, he, he said it all here because what? He created it all. Amen. Think about it. We, none of us, you know, made a decision to be here. You stop and think about that. It's the fact that God created you. Amen. And brought us here. You know, but we don't look at this parable. Let's look at um, this story in Luke, the 16th chapter. Just two verses here. Mm. Starting at verse number one. That now he was also saying to his disciples, there was a rich man who, and I'm coming out of NSB 95, but he said there was a rich man also saying to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. Now, what's a manager? A manager is somebody that works for somebody else, right? I mean, he's not the only, he's a manager. And this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? According, give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. Wow. Yeah, see, now the King James said the stewards, you know, but... You know about when you're managing what belongs to somebody else, that means that we have to do what? We have to do it like they want it done. Right? We work for them, so therefore we gotta line up with their way of thinking and not our way of thinking. We gotta deal with it the way that, you know, they instruct us because we are in their, you know, in, in the earthly sense, we're in their employ. Amen. So therefore we're under direction. But what he said, he said, give account. And this was Jesus telling this, you know, and he told him to give an account for how you're doing things. How many of us, you know, right now ready to, to hear my Lord, let me give account for how I'm doing things. Nobody said so. So that means we got some work to do. Amen? Because there is coming a time that you and I have to give an account. You know, there's times I have to look at my actions and my decisions and so forth and say, you know, would that, would that line up with, with God's will, God's plan? You know, y'all, you got to constantly check yourself. Don't, don't, don't ever get to the point, amen, where you think you got it all under control because when you think that you're in charge, that opens the door for the enemy. That opens the door for deception. That opens the door for, for making some bad choices and bad decisions Amen. And we don't want to be found in that place. In, in 1 John 2.16, it says this, For all that is in the world, now this is what this verse says, All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. This is not from the Father, but is from the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and I like the way he said in this version, the boastful, boastful pride of life. Amen. And, and none of that comes from God. So when we, when we find ourselves in these places, and sometimes we can be there and don't even realize it. You know, but God has a way of getting our attention. Aren't you glad about that? You know, he, he can reel us in, amen. And I, I know when he reels us in, we got to have a mind to want to hear what the Father is saying to us concerning that area, but the lust of the flesh—I mean, these things, you know—crept in early. 
after the creation. They crept in early, amen, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Amen, these things were introduced and Adam and Eve had to deal with this, amen, the lust of that flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, amen, and they manifest, you know, in, in three different ways and we're going to talk about those ways and just dig into each one of them a little bit here this morning. The first one being greed. Anybody greedy in here? I like to ask questions to see if I get a response. You know, anybody greedy? <laughs> you think you're greedy? Okay. It, okay, we got we got some people raising their hands. See, we, we, we might be greedy in different ways. Maybe you're greedy when you pull up to the to the table to eat. Might be. I'm 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 not I'm not saying no one is for sure. Or, or maybe you're greedy, you know, when it comes to money. Maybe you're greedy when it comes to other people's time. Okay. See, see, so greed means you want more. You want, you know, I mean, think about it. Sometimes you just all up in somebody's face. They're trying to get something done. They're trying to say, yeah, I got to go. You ever get on the phone and you're hung up with somebody and they won't let you go? And you just feel like you just want to hang up, but you don't want to be rude because you're a Christian. You know, they say, okay, I'm going to let you go. But then they can just keep on talking and talking and talking. See, I can tell by y'all laughing. Amen. You've been on one uh, or the other side of that equation. Just talking and talking. They, they, they trying to get off the phone. One thing I, I remember about Dad Blackburn, he was, he was quick to get off the phone. If you kept him on the phone more than two minutes, you was doing good. I mean, he'd he get to the point. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Or call me back another time. I mean, he, was, he didn't like being on. I don't like being on the phone either, really. But he, he would get off that phone quick. You know, so that's, that's, you know, just some of those areas of greed. Sometimes we don't recognize greed can, can, can take us out of pocket. So in Genesis, let's see what it says here in Genesis. The third chapter, verse number one, he said, Now the serpent was more crafty than all any beast of the field which the Lord had made. Notice, the Lord made him. Okay, he didn't just show up. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said... You shall not eat of any of the trees of the garden. Did God say that? You should not eat. Look at that. What what did he do in that question? He asked a question which cast doubt. Right? See, he's he's getting her to think about what, what, what was you know what was you know what was this all about? How come I could eat of all these other trees, but I can't eat of that tree. What's God holding back from me? Hmm? Think about it. How many times have we felt like God's holding something back? We waiting for that blessing. We waiting for that opportunity. We waiting for that job. We waiting for whatever it might be. You know, but see, he wanted to cast doubt on the word of God. You know, because God did say that don't touch that tree because in the day that you touch it, you shall surely die. They had the whole garden available to them. He only said, don't touch one thing. And, and, and that's the one thing that they wanted. That's the one thing that they felt like God was being unfair. Why I can't have that one? You know, because, you know, when you, when you read the scripture, you find out that the description of the tree of life 
was amazing. You know, oftentimes we hear people say, well, it was an apple. We don't know what it was because truly the Bible teaches us that that particular tree bore 12 different kinds of fruit on one tree. You ever see a tree with more than one fruit on it? I, I haven't. I mean, an apple tree, that's all I've ever seen, the apples or oranges. Or, you know, but he said 12 different kinds of fruit on one tree. That would get your attention. But he said, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Amen. But he said, you know, I looked at all these things that were pleasant for the sight. And then we got to Genesis 9, 2 and 9. You know, it says, out of the guard, out of the ground, the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also, which also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, he's talking about two different trees. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I want you to pay attention to this because it's, it's important. He did not say anything to them about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He told them don't touch the tree of life. Hmm. Think about that. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Because if you do, trouble going to come. So, we begin to look at this, amen. So the enemy convinced them that there was something wrong. How come I can't eat of that tree? How come I can't I can't approach that tree and, and, and have some of that tree? The one that he said don't touch, the one thing that he said, you know, let, let me put it this way, it was all his until he decided maybe later on that they could have some of it. It was all his. Don't 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 mess with it, you know. And then when you think of it, look how it says every tree that was ple- pleasing or pleasant to the sight, you know that that word pleasant, amen. You know it's, it's translated in other places, amen, and, and it can also mean greed, lust, or desire. It's something you want. That's why we find ourselves greedy in this way or that way. We are we lustful or we desirous of this or that, amen, because it's something we desire. You like pleasant things, don't you? Amen. So we, we understand, you know, that that human nature that was working in her and even in Adam while they're in the garden here. Amen. So we need to understand that they was just like you and me. Amen. They may not have had a cell phone yet and all that stuff, but they were people. And people have wants and people have desires. And we see things that we desire. We see things that we want. Amen. Because we're like that baby that says mine. You know, that's mine. I want it. I mean, don't, 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 you, 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 I might let you play with it. I might let you have some, but remember, it's mine. Amen. And we hold on to this. We, we got that in our mind. Amen. That, you know, I want when we, now, none, none of us want something that's unpleasant. None of us want something that's broke down, beat up, tore up. You know, no, we, we, we like those things that are pleasant to our eye. Amen. And, and they can build us up and they can add to our, Repertoire of stuff, you know. We, you know, how many do we see that sign on the back of cars? Sometimes he who has the most toys wins. You know, men put that kind of stuff on their trucks and stuff, or the biggest toys, or all that. You know, because wow, we we gather stuff. We're collectors of things, but we only collect things that what we want. 
we desire, amen. So we need to understand that. So as God was dealing with them, he said, don't touch that tree because it's mine. You know, so as we, we see that, we don't want to open the door to the enemy to come in by doing what God says don't do. We're still talking about kingdom stewards, and I, I'm, I'm really spending time on this because the first sin that was committed was when they touched something God said don't touch. The first thing. I mean, up until that point, they were in good standing with God. There was, there was no issue, amen, with their relationship with God. But the moment they listened to the enemy, come on now, and they let the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life enter in, because it, oh man, it, it looks good. It's going to make you wise. It's going to do all this for you. Amen. So we don't know how long. Now think about this. We don't know how long Eve and Adam were in the garden talking about this. We don't know any conversations they had between the time the serpent came to her. Amen. To the time that they made the decision, I said they, but she was the one, the scripture said the woman was the one in the transgression, but he followed right after. Right? You know, brothers, y'all want to keep peace, right? So he, he, he followed right after. Now, just imagine, if you will, you know, if, if Adam was still up and said, what are you doing? God said, don't touch that. Put it down. He might have could have canceled the whole thing right there by walking in his authority. But see, we go back to what happened, amen. They will see, amen, because he didn't speak up, but he joined in. I'm going to just leave that out there, brothers. I'm just going to leave that out there, amen. <laughs> I, I, I hope y'all got it <laughs> because Adam didn't get it. And we in this mess to today because Adam didn't get it. Because God told Adam, don't touch the tree. But then when the serpent came to Eve, she repeated what God told Adam. So either she was listening when God was talking to Adam, or Adam had told her what God said. Now, we're not clear which one it was, but we know that she knew. She didn't do this by accident or by mistake. You know, when she went and touched that tree, he said, oh, I got to get them out the garden now because they'd have messed up. Now, if, they'd have, if he had not kicked them out the garden, now think about this. She went and she got a hold of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't touch this tree. Don't touch this tree. But she touched the tree. They ate of the fruit. But the other tree was still there. Which tree was that? The tree of life. No, the tree of life. The other tree was still there. The tree of life was still there. They hadn't touched. God didn't mention that tree to them at all. But once they touched the tree of the good, I mean the knowledge of good and evil, the scripture said their eyes became open and they knew they were naked and they got fig leaves and started covering themselves. And the Lord said, where are you? He knew where they were physically, but where are you spiritually? Why are you covering up now? I've been walking with you in the cool of the evening. You ain't never covered up before. Why are you covering up now? 
because it said he, when he made them, they were naked and not ashamed. But as soon as they sinned, shame came in. As soon as they sinned, amen, they begin to cover up. And that cover up is, is still going on today. And I'm not just talking about clothes. We cover up all kind of stuff. Amen. But, but had he not put them out and put cherubs to guard the garden at that point, they could have now took their sinful selves, went right to the tree of life, and, and taken of that fruit, and now here they are with eternal life full of sin. So God, no, I got to get them out before they mess because now they're going to be locked in sin if I don't get them out the garden and protect this tree of life now. So he had that cherub there with, you know, his flaming sword. He said, you ain't getting no more. And he put them out the garden. Now, I say all that, amen, to help us understand our, our position as kingdom stewards because they were stewards of the garden. The scripture said he put Adam in the garden to dress it and to keep it. But he gave him certain instructions. He put us in this earth, amen, to do his work. But he gives us certain instructions to follow of how to do. First of all, we need to acknowledge and understand that he's in charge. Say that with me. God's in charge. Come on, let's say it again. God is in charge. Everything, everything belongs to God. All right? Everything. You know, no matter what it is that man has made or crafted, it all belongs to God because, you know, everything that we have made or crafted over the centuries, we've used the material that God provided, which belonged to him. Amen. Even the things, the the knowledge, amen, it came from God. Amen. So all everything, all things are his. You know, so let's let's look in Deuteronomy 8, 1 and 2. Amen. So we can see what he said. And All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. He's talking to the children of Israel here. You will remember all the ways which the Lord your God had led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not now did y'all guess that that he led him into the wilderness but he was doing it for a purpose see if they had obeyed God that 40 days would have been I mean that 40 year journey would have been about 40 days but because of their disobedience, they ended up wandering in the wilderness. And, and what did he say? Let me, let me read that again. That he might humble you, first of all. Humble. You realize that you ain't in charge. He is. Bow down to him. What he says goes. Get you know, away from that pride, that boastful pride of life. Amen. Realize, and they realized that in the wilderness, they had to depend on God. They had to depend on him for the water. They had to depend upon him for the manna. They depended upon him for the quail, which they whined and complained about, so he made them eat that till they got sick of it. You know, but he was humbling them. But he was also doing what? What's the other part that I said? Testing. 
That, no, was God tested? Has God ever tested you? I know he's put some tests in my life. And I know I failed some of them too. You know, but he tests us, amen, but why is he doing it? To mess us up, to trip us up, to cause us to sin? No, no. He's testing us to know what was in your heart, whether we would keep his commandments or not. God's still checking us. Amen. God's still checking us constantly to see where's your heart. And why? Because we, we know the scripture teaches us, amen, that our heart can be what? Deceitfully wicked. You know, who can know it? And, and the reason he's testing to know what's in our heart, because what he really is working on, because God already knows. <laughs> the Bible tells us he knows the, your thoughts, all those things. He's a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. He already knows. But So why is he testing us? To show us what's in our heart. So that we can see our own selves in the light of his word because most of the time we measure ourselves by ourselves and say I'm good so he puts situations and circumstances to see the test our our resolve to see and test are we going to be committed are we going to continue are we going to be steadfast are we going to be obedient for you know a long time not just today you know, it's one thing to have your kids obey you one day, but you come home and <laughs> they ain't doing what you told them to do. You want them to be obedient consistently. Amen? What's in their heart? You know, so I, I, I could spend some time there with the kids, but I won't do that. But we need to understand that what he's saying. You see in this, he's testing us, amen, so that he can bless us. If you pass the test, what happens usually when you pass the test? You get... You get a reward. You get promoted. You get to the new, the next grade. Says so there's something when you pass the test. It ain't okay, good. But he wants to bless us, amen. When we walk in the righteousness that he wants us to walk in, according to his word and his strength, and not that of our own. So when we walk in faith and we're obedient, God, it opens the door for God to do what he wants to do in our lives that he wants to do. Because God is, you know, he he'll bring correction. He'll bring chastisement, but that's not really what he wants to do. But he's bound to do that by his righteousness. He's bound to do that because he's a good father. Amen. We just read in Bible study a, a couple of weeks ago, it said, it said uh, you know, if you don't chastise your child, you don't love your child. I mean, so chastisement is a demonstration of your love. You want to correct them and bring them in the right place. You know, so for those of us who don't know, as we, we're talking about this stewardship, we're going to deal with tithing and offerings. Amen. So, oh, here we go. I know it was coming. I didn't put it there. But I got I to gotta touch on that and teach on that just as well as everything else, right? Because this is one of the biggest areas of struggle for people. I notice I didn't say the people of God. I said for people. I mean, it takes something to really be a genuine giver. Amen? And, and, you know, I know some genuine givers. In fact, I live with one. You know, and and thank God. <laughs> She's a giver. Amen. She go to the store and she's thinking about every one of y'all when she's in the store. 
Well, see, that's that's not how my mind works. I mean, I, I give, but that's that's not how my mind works. First of all, she'll tell you I really don't like shopping, even for myself. I just want to get in, get it done, and get it over. You know, I'm in and out. If I'm going in there for one thing, I'm gonna get one thing. You know, unless I see something fantastic on the way out that I can munch on in the car or something like that. But but anyway, it it, it takes something. But most people don't have that 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 be giving 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 spirit. Amen. Because why? We have the what? Mind. Yeah, we got more mind on board than we realize. Come on now, because when people start touching your stuff, right? Mind. And don't let them start touching your money. Don't let them start talking about, you know, let's say your money. How much, how much of your money is your money? Pretty much none of it. Pretty much none of it. What was the scripture I gave y'all earlier? The earth is whose? And the what? And all who is whose? So when we stop and pause and think about it, everything that I make, because in Deuteronomy he also says he gives us the ability. I'm going to get to it in a minute. I'm just trying to, you know, he gives us the ability to gain wealth. Why? So that so that we can be rich, so that we can get everything that we need. And we no, he said he gave us the ability to gain wealth, so he could establish his covenant that he made today, and his covenant is with this earth and with his people. Amen. So he's working on that. So he wants us to be a participant in that. So he allows us to be able to work. Amen. So when we talk about time, what is that? It's just uh, the Hebrew word for tenth. A tenth. How many? How many of us can afford to give up a tenth? I like the people on this side. They raise their hand. I mean, got some of them here, you know. <laughs> some of us are still still thinking about it. Wait, that, that's a whole lot of money. But one thing about a tenth is it's it's a tenth is a tenth is a tenth. Right? If I make $5,000 a month and you make $50,000 a month, we both give the same. A tenth. The same amount. You know, it, it's just that simple. So how much of that belongs to God? When you get your paycheck and you look at the number on your paycheck, what do you see? Mine. <laughs> you see you see how much you made, how much you got paid, how much your check was, right? But what don't you see? Thank you. Thank you. Let's let's let's, let's talk about that for a minute. When you look at your paycheck, the face amount, well, most of it is direct, direct deposit anymore. You know, but when you look at your deposit, what you see is you don't see what they took out. Right? They took out the FICA and the Social Security, and they took out, you know, your contribution to your 401k, your retirement plan. They took out the medical. They took out, you know, what you got going. And, and so you really don't see everything that you made. Right? Think about that for a minute. Did they ask you? <laughs> Remember what I thought about last week? You know, 
change happens, then they don't always ask you about it. Did they ask you if they could take that out? Now, maybe they, they talked to you about how much you want to contribute to the retirement fund. You know, they might have asked you, you know, if you want to opt into the insurance plan and it's going to cost you so much. But when it came to them taxes, when it came to, you know, did they ask you if it was okay? And when they took it out of your first check, did you complain? You might have grumbled when you saw, you know, when you looked at the pay stub, you might have grumbled, but they took that much goodness. But but you didn't go back and say, wait a minute, this ain't right, this ain't fair, I want that back. Right? You didn't go back and say, you know what, from now on, I want you to write my gross check and I'll decide how much I'm going to pay. Right? We didn't, we didn't do that. We did not, we did, we did not do that. We just took it and said, okay, that's the way the government operates. That's my fair share. Right? Because we know you got to make sure you pay. Okay? So when you saw that amount on there, you still figured that was mine. I I, want to keep reminding us of this that, you know, it's not yours. I got y'all good and quiet now. It's not yours. It's what God gave you. Because who's your source? God is. He's the one that gave you the ability, right? To hold a job. The, the strength to get up in the morning. And do all those things. So, so what does God get out of the equation? Hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> since y'all go so quiet, he asked that we give him one-tenth of all our increase. Yeah. One-tenth. And what, how much is that? That's a tenth. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's so simple that it's hard to confuse, but we're still dealing with, I'm still on the first topic, which is greed. Because we look at that amount, and let's, let's say, okay, your check was $1,500 after they took everything out. After they took everything out. That's a good check, right? <laughs> Depends on who you're talking to, right? Are we talking, someone say, are you talking to for a week, or two weeks, a month? It all depends, right? Well, let's just, just, let's just be generous for some of y'all and say, okay, that, that's for one week's pay. $1,500. How many of y'all would like to have that? All right. All right, y'all be honest, be real. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Just don't be greedy. So when God says, now remember, your check is $1,500, the face amount after they took everything else. So how much is your tithe? <laughs> Herein comes the lesson. Because after they took everything out, they gave you what was left. But his word didn't say tithe on what was left. 
He said, on all your increase. Right? So let's say before taxes, your check was $1,800. They took out $300 to cover all this other stuff, and they left you $1,500. Now how much, with the understanding I just gave you, whether you want to accept it or not, how much is your tithe now? Look at you. Y'all some star students. $180. Now, how much, so, so God owns 10% and you own what? 90. Let me help you a little bit more here. Let me help you a little bit more here. All of it belongs to God. That's why he said bring the tithe. He didn't say pay it because, you know, it's not a bill. Pay your tithes or bring your tithes. You ain't giving it because you can't give him something that all you his. But he wants you to bring it into the storehouse. So he takes 10% when you release it to him and then he gives you back 90% because it's all his but think about a God so good he could have he could have flipped it around at any percentage he wanted to what if God would say oh, we, we you know we know how we like to we in this 50 50 right he could have said that but he didn't he said just give me 10% and I'll give you the other 90 and when he releases the other when you give that 90 when you receive that 90, he puts his blessing on it. And I have seen it, and I'm not the only one in the room, where that 90% goes a whole lot further than the 100% with the curse. But we got to get to a place to trust God in that. But see, you know, we got something. I got totally away from my, mess, my, my notes here. But I, I want us to, to get this this morning because it's important. Because God is a jealous God. And he said you should put no other gods before him. You should worship him and only him shall we serve. And then we know about the, the passage of scripture that, that tells us in, we can't do what? We can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon, mammon being money. Amen. And so, so we understand that he said you can't serve both, so which one are you going to serve? Because if you serve God, see, this is your offering, your tithe is a test. You are being tested by God to see if you'll do what he said. And you have the opportunity every time you receive something to show God that, you know, we in this together. Or you have the opportunity to look at the whole thing and say, mine. And when you say mine, that means you're cutting him out the equation. But he's got some stronger words for that. You know, it's just not, you know, it's not, you know when, when we do that to God, he's not laughing and saying it's cute. But he does want us to grow out of it. He does want us to get to a place where we recognize, amen, that it's, it belongs to him, amen, and therefore we should give God you know, what belongs to him. But God deals in tents. When we talk about he's testing us, think about the number 10 in, in ten in scripture, how God used that to test people and to show, okay, where we at? What's going on? Because, you know, we think about, <laughs> oh, goodness. It's illustrated all over. How many plagues did he deal with in Egypt? 10, Right? to bring his children out but he had to test the situation and he had to let them see that he was the one that brought them out by 10 plagues 
Amen. How many times did God test the children of Israel in the wilderness as they wandered? You all know? Ten. Ten different circumstances, situations they had to get through, amen, over the 40-year period, amen, before he allowed them to go into the promised land. How about Jacob? You probably don't, wouldn't know this, but he tested Jacob. I mean, Jacob's wages were changed ten times before he was released to go home when he was dealing with his father-in-law. Ten times his wages were changed to see, okay, are you going to be faithful? David, I mean, Daniel was tested for ten days. The test is there. Amen. How many versions are they talk about in Matthew? Ten. Five of them was wise enough. And the other five was foolish, but he still started with what? Ten. Mm-mm-mm. When you book you read the book of Revelations, it talks about the days of testing. How many days is it? Ten. It's showing us, amen, just so that we can see how God operates. Now, this next question should be real easy. How many disciples were there? <laughs> I heard somebody say 10. <laughs> just want to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> there were 12, you know, so you got to pay attention, okay? But God uses that number 10. It represents the test. Amen. And see, as we're dealing with the tithe, 10% of what he gives us, amen, we cannot just decide I'm going to fail the test. You know, we, I, you know being, being a pastor and, and dealing with people for almost 30 years now, goodness, and over 30 years in ministry, I've heard, I think, just about every reason and every excuse, just about, because I'm sure there's more out there that will probably, you know, dispel about me, of why people can't or won't pay their tithe. Why they still choose to take what belongs to God. But they love God. Right? And I'm not doubting that. But, it, but understanding what God says. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Amen. And this, this whole purpose and process of, of, of tithing and bringing an offering is for what? Do we even know? Kingdom stewardship. Think about it. It was established long before Jesus came, tithing was in place. Long before, and then when he set up the, the, the tribes of Israel, when they did come into the promised land, and they were divided up by tribes, and each one was given their portion of land, all of them received the portion of land except the tribe of Levi. And he took the Levites and said, you will be my priest. He had already met him, but you will take care of the temple. And, and therefore, so he said, the tithe of the land was to go to the temple for the maintenance of the temple and to be for the priest. So they could do what they needed to do, amen, and to maintain God's presence, amen, and to be the spiritual heads, the spiritual leaders of the people under, obviously, God. And that's just a real short, condensed version of how God set a system in place, amen, to maintain his kingdom, amen, in the earth to maintain the operation of the church, 
amen, and, and the clergy, amen. I could go into a whole lot of debt, but I don't have the time. But understand, he has a reason for that. So, because he even told him, amen, he, he set up sanctuary cities and, and so forth. So we, the, the, the Levites had no fields to, to take care of. They couldn't have went out there and sowed in the fields. So he didn't want them doing that and then coming home part-time to, to do the ministry. So he put them in full-time work, and he said, okay, this is how I'm going to finance the work of my kingdom, through tithes and offerings. And there's a whole lot that goes into that. But our part is simply this. Just give God what's his. Because he, he makes it clear that the tithe belongs to him when we give it we're not giving it unto man you're not giving it to the church you're giving it to God right that's what we need to really grab hold of and let me say this because sometimes people like to say well I'm giving it but I want to make sure you what you're doing with it I'm going to give you this but I, I think you need to go and buy this that or the other or you no. You don't do that when you pay your car note. You don't you don't you don't do that when you pay your light bill. You don't do that when you know you go those uh, any anything else that you have contracted with, amen, and you're making regular payments to, you don't go and tell them what to do with the money. You just get the receipt and glad you get in the service. Glad you get to keep the car. You know, because why? It don't belong to you until you paid it off and then Still, you got to pay to drive it. Because you got to pay a registration, you got to pay them taxes, you got all those. So we still paying. But we need to understand that when, when we release it to God, He said it's His and to do with what He desires to do. And when He gives it to the priest, Amen. I'm talking about when I'm talking about people that are lining up with the Word of God. Okay then we can find that God knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. And as we do our part, then you've, or you're done. Your hands are clean. You're, you're showing God. You've passed the test. You've been obedient. Amen. And here's the other part. You opened yourself up to continued blessings, to increase. But when you withhold because of these three reasons, and I'm definitely not going to get to the other two today, but when you withhold because the first one we dealt with was greed. I'm going to drop these other two on you real quick, you know, so we understand, amen, what it is that we will be dealing with. But greed is the first one. Amen. That we, we're, we're, we just want more. We want it for ourselves. Amen. And we got to get to a place to realize that, no, God gave you enough. The second reason is unbelief. Hmm. Hmm. And I don't know how many conversations I've had with different ones over the years who, who've tried to convince me otherwise that tithing was for the, not for today. And, and not only, you know, <laughs> but they, they haven't read the same Bible I'm reading, I guess. But they, 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 they say it's, it's not, you know, you don't need to tithe. You don't have to tithe. Or unbelief, this is the other area that I think most people, it's not that you don't believe tithing is right, but you don't believe God's going to meet your needs. If I give him this 10%, I'm not going to be able to X, Y, Z. Anybody been there? Don't raise your hand. But see, that's unbelief. Because that means God is not going to keep his word. 
You know, because in Malachi, the third chapter, he says, to what? Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. In other words, supply in my house, so it can be taken care of. And, and he, and, but the word that he says to us is interesting. Because in that, in that passage, he says, prove me. In other words, he's saying, do this because he's upset in Malachi. He's telling him, you've done this. You have not, you, you have laid my, left my house and waste all these places. But he says, bring the tithe and prove me. In other words, God is saying, test him. Now, he just flipped the script rather, rather than him testing you. He's telling you, test me. Try me, prove me, and see when I open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you won't be able to receive. I will rebuke the devourer. Amen. Those things that's coming and eating up your fire. You ever try to hold on to money and stuff start breaking down? Stuff start falling apart. Amen. The refrigerator give out or the washing machine die. Or, you know, something happens that's going to cost you that little bit you thought you were saving. He said, you know, if you would just test me and see. And sometimes we'll start off testing God and we'll start off doing good. But then something else comes up. And you're like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I need this right now. No, what you need right now is God. What you need right now is a blessing because obviously what you have is not meeting your need. And therefore, you need to trust him because if you can't meet your need, he can in ways that you know not of. Amen. But if we would just trust him and step out there and do what he said do like he said do it, then you give God room and opportunity to show himself strong on your behalf. Just when you thought it wasn't going to work. Something comes in the mail. Someone knocks on your door. You, know, you, you never know. Just when you thought it just was going to fall apart, God said, no, prove me. So when you get to that place and you're fearful, I don't have enough, you got, you always, if you got $5, 50 cent, come on. If 50 cent going to make you or break you, when you're down to five, you're in bad shape. Right? I mean, that's why I say it, it, it's equal, it's equivalent. And I just want to touch on this other point. is when he says give, he said, you have, wherein have you robbed me? He told people plain, clear, and simple in Malachi in the third chapter. You can go read it. You have robbed me. Because he's having a conversation with them. You know, and, and, and they asked him a question. And he said, well, wherein have we robbed you? He said, you've robbed me in tithe." and offering. Robbing God. Robbing God. Mm. In other words, your stealing was his. You know, when I, when I think about a robbery, anybody had anything stolen from them before? I have. I mean, I, I remember this one occasion we were going down to Texas and we were getting off the plane, but the plane was crowded, so I got on late and, and waiting for the crowd. And all the baggage compartments were full back by my seat, so I put my baggage, you know, in one of the open slots and went on back and sat down. But when we landed, 
You know, you know how one jumps up in the aisle and you can't move like they like they're gonna get off instantly or something. You know. But I'm standing there and I'm I'm looking and I see my bag come out. It's about thirty feet ahead of me. And, and I see my bag come out and I'm like, that sure look like my bag. But no, it can't be. I got down there, my bag was gone. So I did everything I could, but we never did track down the bag. But the person had left another bag with some old trash thrown in it. You know, they came on with it to carry on, so they that they didn't care about, and they swapped out bags. You know, and people do that stuff. But my my point is this: you know, we know how it is to have someone steal from us. But a robbery. How many of you ever been robbed? Okay. See, a lot of us have said we even had things stolen from us. But when you get robbed, what's the thing about robbery? It's face to face. I can steal from this brother behind his back and he don't know it. But if I, if I want to rob him, I'm going to get in his face and tell me, give me your stuff. I'm going to threaten him in a way that makes him, because, you know, me just saying, give me your stuff, ain't going to But I have to be threatening and imposing upon him, taking authority and power over him in order to rob him and take his. So when I look at how he says, you've robbed me, you, what you're doing is taking authority over God in his face because he's right there, see what you're doing, and you're still taking it from him. Regardless, you ain't just stealing but robbing. That takes it to a whole nother level. So I said, the people of God, we, we can't, we, we, if, if we rob them, if, we got to stop. I'm saying we because I don't want you to think it doesn't apply to me too. Amen. I mean, if I get crazy in my mind and I decide to rob God, I'm going to be in just as much wrong as anybody else. But we can't keep robbing him and think he's going to continue to bless us. Huh? When you get robbed, the first thing you want to do is get a hold of the police and get them to get after that person and get retribution, get them in. So, you know, God don't just say, okay, they robbed me. Oh, well, I'll just keep blessing them anyway. You know, he said he reigns on the just as well as the unjust. But the blessing that we're cutting ourselves off from Amen. Is being a child of God. I mean, it's that, when he deals with this, he said, if you would just do this, just do this, I'll open it through and I'll bless your socks off. But we look at it in the natural and we say, no, we, we, we out of whether it's greed or unbelief. And number three, I'm just going to throw it out there real quick and then I'm going to be done. The last one is fear. We're afraid to let it go. We're afraid that if I don't do this, I'm going to lose out here or there. God said he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he was so far in that passage. Said, if, even if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. He said, nobody, I wouldn't tell you if I was hungry because I know how to get what I need. I don't, I don't, I don't need your stuff. See, you can't 
and I, we can't stop the work of God by being disobedient in this area. But we can help to be changers by being obedient in this area. By bringing strength to the ministry. By bringing strength to the work that can be done. By participating and partnering with God. Amen. With the finances that he has allowed to be in your hands. Amen. By giving him his portion. By not robbing him. Amen. Because why? Then you you cut yourself off. You know, you, you, well, sometimes we worry if I, if I don't pay. The, you know, I would rather owe man Hallelujah. than to be in God's debt. And that's just plain and simple because why? What are they going to do? They can come take the car, okay? The bus around here is free. Hallelujah! Right? They can come take the house. I got relatives. Huh? I, 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 you know, <laughs> you know. so what, what am I saying? Man can't take away anything that really matters except for my life. And that belongs to God. Isn't that right? So God is not trying to take nothing from us. And I really want us to understand when we choose to be obedient in this area, he's, he's not trying to take nothing from us. The, the fact is he's trying to get more to us. That's why he said, you know, I, I'll rebuke the devourer. I, I'll open the windows of heaven. I, I didn't make that up. It's right there in Malachi when he's talking to his people. I'll Open up the windows of heaven. How many of us want an open window? You know, open heavens over our life and over our resources and over our health and over our children. I mean, see, sometimes we think about the blessing as just money. But God is able to reciprocate in any way that you need it if you just show him that you're willing to be obedient in that area of life. He can send whatever blessings that you need. Things you cannot buy with money. He's able to do it. So let's stand. I'm not going to hold you much longer. But I want us to grab hold, amen, and understand that you're cutting yourself off from him. So we got to lay aside our, our, our greed, our unbelief, our fears, and just go to your word and see what the word of God says about it. And when we, we rightly divide the word and we understand that God is, he's trying to champion you on. He said, come on now. Just do what you're supposed to do. And when you do that, I, I believe when God finds a, a, a real giver, a, a good, true giver, that he just says, okay, I can use this person. I, I can funnel more and more through this person. Because they understand, they get it. They're not trying to hold it all to themselves. But they're, uh, I, I can bless them to be a blessing to others. Amen. And I, you know, you, you know sometimes we want to be able to be that, that, that philanthropist, to be able to do this, that, and the other. First, you got to know how to let go. Amen. And realize, you know what? Let it flow through me. How many of y'all want his resources, his blessings, amen, to flow through you? His word, his healing, amen. All those things when God, when we open ourselves up to God. But this is one tangible way that he tests us to see. Checks us continually. And I didn't even deal with the first fruit part yet. But when we understand these principles, 
don't rob God. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> you know, you, it's like holding a gun. Like he, he could deal with you, but he's, he's not. He's gonna let you choose. You gotta choose. He's not gonna force us, but he lets us know in his word that it, it's, it's not pleasing in his sight when we rob him, when we steal from him. So I just want to pray. And then maybe you're here today and you've been dealing with this area. You know you need to 